You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. And I'm James. Join us as we journey into beekeeping while we learn to be the change, one hive at a time. Today we're talking about our bee yard setups, what kind of bees we keep, and what type of hives we run. Jim, tell us about your yard. You know, we this is my first year beekeeping, uh, so you know we had a little bit of prep to do for it. Uh, we had to clear out some timber uh, for the new bee yard just so that they would get the proper sun in the morning. Uh, you know, they were in full shade. I think they're yeah, yeah, they were they were pretty much in full shade no matter what what route we went. So uh, unfortunately, we had about you know twenty trees had to go. Uh, take the hit for that firewood. Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. A lot of lot of sawing, but definitely improved uh, the the future plans of that. I think are going to be going to be neat too. Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be great. Uh, it really opens up the area for the bee yard, and then and in the future, you know, we're gonna have a uh, food forest uh, installed in there. So it, the whole area is gonna be a whole lot more functional for us, more productive. I would think too, and then absolutely, yeah. uh, it's it, it's it's gonna be huge. So what kind of uh, what kind of bees are you running this year? Uh, we're running carnolians. Um, I am part of a, a local beekeeping club uh, where the uh, president of the beekeeping club uh, pretty much sells off carnolians. And talking through to him, he you know suggested I use those this year, being my first year, because they are a, uh, a more gentle type of breed of, of bees. Uh, they are less aggressive, and they have highly. They do have high yields of honey. Yeah. Is there any benefit to it for you being all the way up north, close to the lake in South Canada? Yes, actually, because they are actually crossbred from Caspians, uh, which is a bee out of the uh, Iranian desert, I believe, somewhere in the Middle East, where the, the nights are way colder than we experience up here up north. So maybe a little more cold hardy than an Italian. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little bit more cold hardy. Um, you know, obviously the, these bees were uh, were from packages that were from Florida for this year. Uh, and How many packages did you uh, did you bring up? Uh, we got three uh, three packages. Yep. How did your install go? Tell, tell us about your installation. <laughs> so the installation was it was interesting. I had a lot of uh, inhibitions as a first year beekeeper. Very 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 nervous about about the whole thing. Uh, never done it before. You know, but talking to different people, they everyone said, "Oh, this is really easy." You know, don't don't worry about it. I told you so. And uh, okay, Dan. Yeah, 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 you told me. <laughs> I said, just shake them in there. Shake and bake, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, luckily, like I said, I'm part of the local beekeeping club, and you know, the guy who uh, sold me my packages, he came in his beekeeping soup and and said, "Hey, I'm I'm with you all the way here." He uh. Installed the first package, showed me how to do it, and said, you can start the second package. If you feel comfortable, keep going all the way through. If you need to step back, I'll take over for you. Nice. Yeah, it was it was really great. And, you know, just watching, watching the whole process, it was just so super easy, you know, actually doing it, that once I started the second package, I didn't stop until the third package was done. You know, I you know he was there the whole time to watch and make sure I was doing it right. But I tell you what, you know, it was it was it was a lot off my mind. Uh, actually, being you know, to successfully install these packages, 
And quite honestly, I wasn't nervous one bit. Have you uh, done a hive inspection yet? Uh, I've I haven't done a, a traditional hive inspection yet. No, but you've gone in there and worked with them before. I have worked with them before. Yes. Have you been? Have you noticed you've been less nervous going in there now since you've actually experienced it, or are you still a little bit on edge and timid? Uh, I think I, when I first start. I'm a little bit timid. Yeah. Okay. Because I know it. For me, it took me a few months to get over that edge of being a little bit timid going in there. Uh, I was over the top cautious. I had to have everything prepped, and it was kind of analysis or paralysis by analysis. And then finally, I just I had my aha moment and just kind of started to go approach the bees rather than invade the bees yes it, it usually works out a little better that way <laughs> yeah well and, and i i do i approach them from behind yeah and uh so like tell us about your so you, you're approaching from behind so you've got uh, a, a landing board or you have a, an entrance dial tell us about uh what kind of hives you're running and uh what you know what kind of frames things like that so i am uh, uh running langstrom hot langstrom is that how you spell langstroth langstroth yeah, yeah. langstroth hives uh we're doing medium boxes uh, eight Running frames. all mediums? All mediums, okay. eight frames. Uh, we're doing entrance dials on them uh, as opposed to the... Uh, Full open landing board. Yeah, exactly. And they seem to like it quite a bit. They're, they're in and out of there. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, seem to stop them from going in and out. I know I hear a lot of beekeepers say, oh, no, you know, that's the, that's the wrong way to do it. You know, don't do it that way. But I think this is because they're they're used to what they're used to. Right. This is, now, this is something a little bit newer. Do you newer. have uh, ventilation holes on the opposite side of the boxes for your length or for the uh, dials? Yeah. So on the opposite side, there is uh, ventilation holes with a screen uh, stapled over the ventilation holes. Okay. Yeah. What kind of what kind of a lid and bottom board are you running? Uh, so uh, uh, our lid and bottom board uh, is uh, actually subflooring. I know a trick from uh, Don the Fat Bee Man using the Advantage subfloor for tops and bottoms because they don't ever seem to rot or warp out in the weather, huh? Yeah, that, that's what I was told. Uh, and uh, I was lucky enough to get a lot of my supplies from uh, my community here. Yeah. Uh, when we all built them together, it, it saved us a lot of money for sure doing right. it that way. And, and that's when I got to learn from some other people what they've been doing to uh, keep the longevity of their, of their hives. So you're running a, a solid lid. Yep. No inner cover, it sounds like. No inner cover, nope. Anything special about your lid or how you feed the bees? Yeah, so we have uh, we have two holes in the lid uh, for uh, syrup jars, basically. So mason the, jars. Yeah, mason jars. Okay. Yeah, the mason jars fit on both of those holes, and if you know feeds the bees over the week, uh, you know there's the the sugar water basically their content. Uh, you know, just trying to fatten them up a little bit right now, being in, just installed, and spring is just is a little bit late in Ohio actually right now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Did you weird? Well, did you start with uh, foundation? Are you running starter strips? You going to go completely foundationless? Oh uh, no, I started Plastic. with I started with um, actually uh, a wax foundation from okay. uh, Brushy Mountain Bee Farm, and we just installed those. And so you're, you're probably you're are, uh, fair to say you're you're raising large cell bees then on a, probably a five four millimeter wax foundation then. Yes, okay. that'd, be, that'd be fair to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neat. And then what about your bottom board? What are you running there? Solid bottom board? Screen bottom board? So, actually, I'm kind of running a little experiment here. I have uh, both right now. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, like I said, I got mixed equipment from uh, different folks. Yeah. And uh, I figured, you know, let's see what does what. Does what. Right. Was all this new equipment when you got it? 
never used? Yeah, it's, it's not used equipment. Okay. It's just, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you make little barter deals with other folks, and sometimes, you know, you uh, build stuff with your community uh, at cheaper rates. Yeah. You know? Well, I think it's, you know, we. I'm sure later on, uh, as the year unfolds, we'll probably get into talking a lot about a lot of those different things, but a lot of us um, get together uh, and, and do things and help, and help each other out with our projects and, uh, you know, things... Uh, things like that. We got together and, and built a bunch of bee boxes all together, which you know we can helps us all to save some money and save a lot of time, and we get the you know the enjoyment of actually doing it together. So it's a lot, not a lot of a lot of folks will you know be kind of pigeonholed to looking in the catalog to to buy equipment rather than just you know not being afraid to yeah, well, get the well, tools out and build them themselves. I'd like to clarify that it's actually building the whole boxes from actual wood, not just like the assembly. Make yeah, sense. we're using yeah we're using yeah. we're using rough cut lumber yeah. that we plane cut, um, you know, join all the sides. We don't no, we don't build the we, we we buy unassembled frames, assemble those, add foundation or starter strips. But but well, keep in mind though is that uh, by getting the 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 frames in a state that we do, we save a lot of money compared to uh, buying them whole from like you know Rural yeah. King or Track Supply Company or whatever online company there is. I think me and you, Greg, looked at that online, right? We saved at least a dollar fifty a frame by assembling it ourselves and uh, putting the putting the foundation and then the boxes. I mean, if you look at the at the price of box, it's 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 just ridiculous. I mean, you uh, you're looking at about one hundred and twenty dollars in woodenware without yeah. without frames to get uh, you know enough boxes to keep brood, maybe a honey box or two, lid, bottom board, and you can you know once you learn a little bit more about the biology of the bee and and you know what. Um, and, and what, what kind of environment that they kind of thrive in, you then realize that you're not building furniture, you're building boxes for the bees, and then it's all of a sudden there there you know, there's there's no holds barred. You can really get into and learn and experiment with you know different types of joinery, different equipment. And I mean, when you end up saving more than half um, of the money that you would have had in buying new stuff, it really helps you to expand and experiment and, and you feel good about it even if it's one or two hives or if it's 20 hives when you look out there and you see rough cut lumber that you you you, you cut you built you painted your kids helped you i mean that's a, that's a whole lot of satisfaction with that well i think you hit it right there in the head with the expansion uh being my first year beekeeping uh the affordability of expanding which is that's my my biggest yeah. goal is that i you know if i was buying this all straight out from a catalog I could not afford to expand the bee yard. There's just no way impossible that was going to happen. Yeah, beekeeping is not cheap. No, it's, you know, no it's, matter which way you cut, it's a huge. It's not investment. a poor man's hobby. It's not. Mm-mm. Nope. Dan has some uh, pretty exciting news. We're we're here getting into the beekeeping season, and I think Dan, tell us uh, about your yard there. I'm coming out. <gasps> what of winter with bees? <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> wow. Uh, we nice. went into winter this year with. Uh, Oh, three hives. We ran four. We had one abscond shortly before. Uh, oh gosh, for winter came, late fall. Uh, we had another one die out. Uh, we treated two of the hives with uh, staghorn sumac smoke, taking the treatment-free route, and the whole oh, not using synthetic chemicals and things like that. And we treated two with uh, mitoway strips, which is formic acid based, I believe. And uh, the two that were treated with mitoway strips were the two that survived. 
And, of course, the two that were treated with staghorn sumac were long gone. And I think we can, we'll, get into, we'll get into that in the future episodes. Yes. It oh, wasn't yes. just that you treated the hives with staghorn until you had results the mites away, that the, or that the mites were gone. Yeah, there was very specific parameters that you used with the staghorn and yes. got a very specific result. Very much so, and the same could yeah, be said for strips. Different, yeah, that's a we'll story. Do, I think for, I think we can get into that. A yeah, lot that's of another story later. for another day. But yeah. yes, so we came out of winter with two hives, and uh, fortunately, I got a lot of uh, goldenrod honey from that dead out, which was nice. I got a full, I think, ten frame box. Now, was that goldenrod honey? Was that the one that smells like a foot? It smells it like does. dirty gym socks. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, yeah it's delicious. It smells I, nasty, but it's super oh, good. It's so really good. rich. I think that's your favorite, isn't it, Greg? You know, it's weird because at, when it's fret, like when you're out in out in the pasture or out in the field, and you're working in late fall, and when the dew's on the, on on the grass, and you're walking through, you can smell the goldenrod, and it's strong, and it's, it's it smells like a gym sock. And then when you go out to your bee yard the same time of year, when you smell that smell, you automatically think of of death or rot, and so you kind of freak out, thinking there's something wrong with your bees. There's not. It's just they're bringing in the goldenrod pollen, and it is just strong. and And you have to, I just, it, it smells terrible. But didn't the, the I call you last great. year? One goldenrod start to run, freaking yeah. out that something's wrong yeah. with my hives. Yeah, yep. And it was just the old uh, funky yeah. gym sock smell from the from the pollen. I mean, as yeah. a first year beekeeper, that would freak me oh, out. Oh, it, it absolutely did. I you got would think into, something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. got into all my hives, and they all smelled weird and kind of that rotten smell and i definitely panicked and got out of the yard and called greg and hey uh this is happening oh no it's fine goldenrod's coming in it's good stuff you know what's interesting is when you first spin um, or jar up some of the goldenrod honey it smells terrible it you, cr- does. you crack open the lid and you're like oh my gosh and it, it's hard to hard to swallow interestingly enough as it sets it seems to smooth out to where you'd you don't really smell it quite as strong, so I'm not sure, you know, if that was a one-off case. But Dan was uh, kind enough to give us one of the first first jars out of his uh, run last year, and it's delicious. Oh, it's amazing! It Absolutely. just smells the, so bad at first. Honey. It sat in the jar for a little while. Now it's smooth, and it's, it's gone now. But the smell just smooths out, and it's really rich and delicious. Yeah, like a fine wine. Like a fine wine, really. Uh, so, so you yes. out of winter with how many hives? So how many how many hives do you have right now? I got two right now that we're sticking with, and uh, what right kind of bees are those? Uh, we are running Italian queens, straight straight Italians. Yep, uh, we got uh, four packages last year that came up from Georgia. Uh, we're running a combination of uh, eight frame and ten frame mediums. We're actually running all mediums. Uh, this will be the first year that we're going to be switching from the uh, open bottoms there and putting in a. Uh, Hive dials, or the entrance dials. So I've seen a lot of closing off your your yeah, entrance. I'm completely closing it mm-hmm. off. I'm turning my uh, entrance reducer sideways and setting it in there. So yeah, it's going to be completely shut down. Uh, I'm since I'm in northwestern Ohio, it's rather open. A lot of breeze. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to put that uh, vent hole in the back for now, just to see since we have a constant breeze nonstop. And I'm wondering if it's going to be too much to even attempt to put it in. So you think they'll propolize that screen if it's too much? Yeah. What kind of what, what do you think are going to be some signs that you'd look for 
if you noticed that there wasn't enough ventilation. Did you, have, you, have you had that issue yet? Uh, no, I, not at all yet. So last year we noticed uh, on some of the hives when we were intentionally crowding them uh, to split them when they get too warm. Now, so then they, they beard up, or they kind of collect oh, on the front, yeah. and they kind of spread out, and they, they, they fan their wings to kind yep. of cool off, and go, some will go back in, some will, some will come out. So. Well, we're seeing them all beard right now, fortunately, because we're trying to split them. Right. So I was in there six days ago, Yeah, I believe, and there's queen cups, but still no eggs and nothing, so I'm going to be diving into it tomorrow. Seeing if they yep. have any eggs in there or if the cells are elongated into yeah. queen cells. Yep. And what then, kind of boxes are they? So you've got two hives. What kind of box setups are you in? Uh, I'm running right now. I'm running all medium Langstrophs. Langstroth, uh, yeah. I've been pondering back and forth about possibly putting in there a deep or two and seeing how one deep runs next to two or three medium mm-hmm. brood boxes. So I'm a tinker by trade. So there's that's probably the worst thing for me is I always want to find out more and so just to see what yeah just possible. to see yeah what what works best for me and what works best for my area jim's running eight frame eight frame mediums yeah are, are you running 10 frames or eight frames i actually have both okay i have one eight frame that survived and one 10 frame that survived so have you noticed any difference on performance or health or anything notable between a 10 and an eight frame i've noticed so far coming out of winter and with the nectar flow starting uh that the 10 frame has a little bit more honey on the outsides. These, those, uh, outside frames. There's probably early storage. Yeah. There's about a frame and a half of extra storage compared to my eight frame only has maybe a frame to, I think the one probably had half a frame. How many boxes are on that, that 10 frame medium? Two boxes right now. Two boxes, right? Two boxes on each actually right now. Okay. So there's there's a brood chamber underneath. Yeah, they're and both then on brood. top is brood and honey on the outside. Yes, and like the tenth frame positions, yeah. one and ten. Yes. Okay. So and then, how then? What's the eight frame like in comparison? There's to that? there's a little bit less honey stored in the eight frame. I've noticed uh, on the outside more of the brood. second box. Yeah, there's okay. a lot more brood, and that's I see. yeah. But also, I have a poor back, so I like having that little bit smaller box to right. move around. They're still heavy. Honey, yeah, honey is I mean, not what's light. a what's a medium frame weigh with full honey. Like oh, three pounds or something? It's, it's something like that. So you add that even by eight frames and bees, that's you know twenty four pounds a box plus the box. Yeah, yeah. that's that's not light. No. Can you imagine if that was a ten frame deep, and it all adds up. Whew. Yeah. Oh yeah. But we we have them sitting out in a pasture right now. Yeah. So we actually run them along a fence row. Uh, we got a uh, when we bought our farm, it was actually a uh, old horse pasture so pretty open yeah we actually bought the farm and uh, i could count all the trees that i owned on one hand so by the end of that first year we big whoop doubled our trees on our farm right so we put in a lot more fruit trees and something the wife wants this year is the orchard and so she's getting the orchard and with her getting the orchard my compromise is i get to expand the bee yard Win-win. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It'll be more pollen for the uh, for the bees, more fruit for you. And Ex- oh, completely. I'm more excited about the fruit. Oh, yeah. And she made the rule that I'm not allowed to expand the bee yard more than twice what it was the previous year. So, so what are your goals this year? 
Uh, so I had four hives last year, and that puts me about eight. I'd like to go into winter with eight or ten. Right. Uh, I I don't want to expand the bee yard into something that turns us into a a love into an absolute hate. Right. Something that I despise doing. That's mm-hmm. more of a task than something that's calming and relaxing. Yeah. So, and there's nothing more in the world I like going than going out there and just watching my bees. There's a weird. Uh, kind of a zen thing that oh. happens when you approach the bees and you are mindful and you're you're careful and you're going in with a, a certain amount of reverence. Yeah. You're approaching the beehive rather than just feeling like you're throwing your suit on, Trampling smoking the, 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 the tar out of them, cracking boxes open, slamming, slamming frames around and invading them to see how good they're working for you. But when you go in and approach, it's a different... And I find this even just... Uh listening just keeping my ears open listening for the pitch changes oh yeah you know uh that that was one of my first experiences this year uh you know i i I got the smoker ready just you know you know i don't know what's gonna happen i you know i wanted it ready and just applying a little bit of smoke to them i I just i hear the whole pitch change of the hive in which way Um, they get louder they get quieter they definitely get they get louder yeah but I, you know, it's, it's 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 interesting. This it's almost like I'm listening to them telling each other, like you know, you know, oh crap, there's something going on here. You right, know, like but it seems like they calm down, though. Don't or do, yeah. do, do they? Seem they, like they calm down. They calm down and they they disperse. So I didn't have any problems with it, but it was just amazing just listening to to the communication of the hive. The re, yeah, observing the reaction that they have is yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, that's and that's the key right there. It's just observing those reactions and not just like you said, just clunk on in there and smoke the hell out of them and yeah just you know you know beat the hell out of them do what you got to do and then you know get stung six times say oh well that was the price i pay right yeah i i haven't you know i'm still new i haven't got stung once but it'll happen it'll happen and i and i know it will but actually be good for you yeah uh i you know at least i attribute right now to not getting stung so far as to just being a little bit observant and being aware aware a little cautious I got stung nine times last year, and I can remember almost all of them because it all happened towards the beginning. I got halfway through the year, I think I got stung maybe twice. But it was all in the beginning when I did what Greg said, more or less, as I was invading the hives. And I think when you're describing that, were you watching me and my bees? Because you're pretty damn spot on there. I think we ever, we, I mean, yeah. that's, that's, everyone does that. And when and when 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 beekeepers, and again, we're all big, we're all beginning beekeepers. None of us here are experts no, at all. We have, you know, some of us. Jim's just getting started. Dan's been doing it. I've been doing it. But there seems to be a common theme: is is the beekeepers that you know start to get in tune with the nature of the bees. You'll you once you realize that. There, there's a certain feeling you have because sometimes you have a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear that when you're approaching the hive, you're you're in a you're constantly in a in a, a, um, a defensive mode or you're you're constantly yeah. reacting to everything going on, rather than just approaching the hive and interacting. Yes. When you interact with the hive rather than react with the hive, I mean it's a whole world of difference. There's so much about the bees that we have we just don't understand, you know and. Uh, Maybe we can dig into the, some of those details um, later on the season, but um, there's something to be said about taking your time, having the reverence, approaching them, interacting with them, and you know there's there's been times where we have no idea of what's going on with the hive, and I'll just sit down and I'll just watch the bees, 
and I'll just kind of clear my head. And it's almost like, you know, there's an inbox in my brain from the bees that say this. And I'll go look, and sure enough, there's these frames that are full of honey and there's no brood. And you, you kind of, you, there's this weird observation and learning you can have just by interacting with the bees. And they, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to get too woo-woo about that yet, but there's, there's something to be said about just observing and, and interacting with the bees than in, rather than just invading um, and, and constantly feeling like you're... You don't mean like trampling in there like a Sasquatch? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're all big fellas, so it's, it's hard to, to kind of not do that. But, um, you know, we, for about 90% of the season last year we don't have to wear beasts we don't even have to wear suits no veils no suits i mean flip-flops and shorts yeah yours were your definitely yours were mine were a little different and but we have yeah and that's the fun part about putting this podcast together and sharing our different experiences as we all three have different bees different types of bees yes different bee yard setups different approaches the different philosophies I think that that's going to be fun to share that experience. Well, I got so, that eight frame that I'm trying to crowd out right now so I can pinch the queen because they're all just kind of assholes. Yeah, they're pretty testy. Very much. Oh, as soon as I even crack a lid or something, I get that banana smell. And the alarm pheromone oh, sets yes. off. And, oh, yeah. And was that in the eight? That was, that was in the eight yeah, frame? Yeah, that was the eight frame. And they started hitting the front of my bee suit, and they just they want nothing to do with but, anyone being in there. But didn't you say your first inspection this year they were pretty calm yeah they calmed down substantially and then going back the last two times they're back to being normal but i've i've found when i crack when i crack it the first thing i do is just push a little smoke in there shut the lid down yeah. let it set then i'll crack the in between the two boxes push it in there set it set it down so your goals this year is you're gonna uh try, try to, to, to double your numbers yes and we're talking about the test DBs and all the different behaviors that they um, kind of have. The eight-frame hive, that seems to be a little bit aggressive. Of course, it, it could just be a queen and that's um, the, issue. Yeah. It could be a workers and a queen yep. not getting along, and everyone's kind of always defensive. It could yep. also be pests. And yeah, and that's I want. what I want to do is they're, gonna, they're already a little bit crowded in there and just wait till I see a, a queen cell, cap queen cell, go in there. Give her a little pinch. Did you uh, do any kind of alcohol wash or sugar rolls or do any kind of test or numbers to see how many mites you might have had in that hive? I have not yet. That is actually on the to-do list tomorrow. Because it, I don't wonder if it's possible that those bees were testy all through last year or towards the end in the fall yeah. of last year. Now coming out of the spring, as they're building the numbers, they're not, they're not going to probably have the number of drones yet for the mites to go and just just to start repopulating so maybe they were they were nicer at first as they populate and maybe maybe possibly if the mites are becoming more of an issue maybe that's what's setting them off yes and if it is mites we'll get into the whole to treat or not to treat yeah that's going to be really interesting yes and maybe we'll do, we'll do that for the next show as we'll we'll talk about some of these different management um, methods not that we're experts in any of them but we can speak to the ones that we've um learn from and learn some things the hard way and our personal philosophies on it well we currently have going on yeah 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 so you know right now what's what's your plan uh jim what's what your your management plan as far as managing for pests managing for uh feeding maybe you talked about your your feeding you're going to feed them sugar out the rest of the year or you're on off what do you yeah well you know you know so here's the goal is that i like to have uh bees that are alive by next year that's Uh, huge 
That's yeah. that was my goal last year was keep him alive. And so, I, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm while I'm still learning here and I'm getting advice from everybody on how to do things. I, I, for my first year, I'm, you know, I'm gonna treat. I'm gonna, you know, you know, and I'm, and I'm not gonna go all crazy. You know, I'm just gonna find a middle ground there where I feel comfortable with. Right. And uh, you know, but the biggest thing is keep them alive for next year, so I can start growing my colonies. I can start, you know, gaining more and more bee boxes, more more hives, and get to the point in a couple of years where then I could start. I, I have the wiggle room to play around with and find out what really works best for treatments or not or no treatments. And so, if I lose a hive, I mean, nobody wants to lose a hive, but I can afford to lose a hive. And I'm not out of the game for that season. You're not buying bees again in the spring. Exactly. And that's going to be really uh, interesting to kind of uh, unpack all that later on because if there's any any folks listening right now who um, are either getting into beekeeping or have seen enough on Facebook or uh, on on the the inner tubes there, the you know to treat or not to treat. Uh, argument is a, oh my such gosh. a can of worms. So yeah, and well, it, it seems there's two camps and there's no middle ground. Well, uh, there, there, there's maybe 18 different camps, and in each one have their own flag that they mm-hmm. that they wave to it. So it, it's just it's it's interesting to hear that you're you're saying that you're you're open uh, to treatments. And if folks are hearing the word treatments, they're automatically thinking uh, antibiotics and hard chemicals. And in fact, there's hard chemicals and soft chemicals there's natural chemicals and there's no chemicals and there's combinations of all those chemicals together and that's going to be i think we should uh maybe the next show get into a little more detail on on some of those things so folks are have a clear understanding as to our goals um and our our management methods yeah i think treatments have gotten this evil connotation at this point with some folks and you know, like you know, I'm not against I'm not against one way or the other here, but I th- I think like Dan said, there's sometimes there's no middle ground being met here, yeah. And I think we can find m- more natural treatments along the way, uh, you know. But you know, without compromising our values, right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Greg, we you've heard what we all do and how we run and what we got. What you got? Well, this is our third year, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover all different kind of aspects of our last couple of years experience as we kind of developed through the year here, but we, uh, the first year we, uh, lost all of, all of our bees, um, because I didn't know what to do. And so looking into what to do, I tried to do things, uh, in a certain manner using powdered sugar and things to try to manage mites. And I didn't understand the biology or the life cycle of bees or the mites. So I was kind of more in a reactive mode with the bees and it was it was a great starting point and we learned a lot and it was a great experience but all the bees were dead uh early on and then the winter time so that that really didn't work out so well the second year um during during that process we got to learn a little bit more about bees and that there there may be some biological differences between different sizes of bees and then we can unpack that later too but um we got in really interested in a smaller cell bee um, that kind of uh, harkens back to an older time of beekeeping before uh, the cell sizes were actually increased. So we uh, we run small cell bees. Last year we also experimented with a treatment free ish kind of method, and um, you know we we learned the hard way. Um, so it was not a raving success. It, it, it was it, yes, it was because it was a success because we learned 
a whole lot from failing more so than doing things the right way. We uh, were doing really well into October, and uh, the BN, our county bee inspector here in Ohio, we have, we have county inspectors that come out um, and inspect for American fowl brood and things like that. If you sell bees, the inspector has to come out and sign off, things like that. So we um, we have some regulation when it comes to those kind of things. Um, and so when he came uh, and did his his initial you know his check uh, his inspection you know we were we were free and clear of mites um, but you know some things happened with weather um, it's where we were stopped we, we were we weren't using essential oils in our uh, sugar syrup and it was too cold to make brood breaks making splits um, so we started off the season with five small cell nukes and we um, long story short lost 30, 30 hives. Um, we went from five to thirty last year, and um, you know we chose to go down a specific treatment-free-ish kind of route, and lost all the bees to mites. And at first, we were kind of trying to figure out what it was. We thought it might have been some poisoning and things like that. And then it wasn't until we got the microscope out, and then got to learn more hands-on and see all the evidence that was very clear that mites had taken over in that mid-October time frame. And just wiped us out um, really, really quick. We had, we had made some pretty, um, pretty aggressive splits too. So I think if we were going into the winter with um, hives that weren't experiencing the mite load, they, they would have likely been. I, I think would have been okay. Um, but when the mites were there, kind of tearing them, tearing into them, they didn't have the the health and vigor and, and fat stores to successfully get through the winter and, and come through. Now, to run back real quick, you said you got the microscope out and looked at them? Yeah. Is that something you think that everyone should have? Well, uh, a microscope is a fancy word for super magnification. Yes. There's, you know, of course, there's electron microscopes. There's lab microscopes. One of the best microscopes that worked for us, you can buy at, on Amazon or at the Apple store, and it hooks right on the front of your iPhone. And I think it's a uh, thirty thirty times. I can't remember what it is. Really? It's 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 powerful enough to where when I put it onto the B cell, I all I see is the baby B head sticking out, and it's fuzzy face. Okay. So it's close enough that when I look, I could see I had pinholes coming out of the brood where the mites were and escaping. Okay. You could actually see the mite feces, the little crystals inside. Uh, the, the deposits in, inside of the, the, the cells itself. Um, you could there was like an occasional dead mite at the bottom. You could see that as well. Um, so the microscope, you, you know, you think you a lot of folks say I don't I don't have mites. Mites aren't a problem. And you know, you it's not really an issue if bees are resistant to mites. Is if bees can biologically adapt and live in a symbiosis in the colony. Well, with, how, mite. with mites, because you know, in, until until we have something that uh, totally eradicates the mites, whether it's all these different types of um, you know ankle biters and hygienic bees that are maybe more tailored to be more aggressive towards attacking the mites and pulling them out, you know that that's yet to be seen long term how successful that's going to be, because I think there might be a trade off with um, their their just their maybe their their disposition if they have that yeah. trait. Um, so the microscope's great because it takes the guessing work right out of it. You know, you can see exactly what's going on, and you can feel good about you know making d- decisions. And then, and this year, making drastic, that not drastic is maybe an overstatement. When we got into beekeeping, we got into it. 
we got into it in the holistic agriculture, permaculture type of a context. And like with many things in those contexts, is they are very site specific. They're very, they're, they're, they're very, very, the, the devil is always in the details with those things. And so we, we uh, it made sense to us because, you know, whether it's the hogs or chickens or turkeys or, or cows, yeah. anything that we raise here, we they're not raised on with with preventative antibiotics or preventative anything. We we try to use the land and our management to to uh, increase the health um, of that system. So with bees, we we tried to try to put bees in that same kind of box thinking, um, which I think is awesome if it works. For us, it didn't, and so we ended up um, you know paying the price. So this year we're gonna we're gonna do things. A little bit different. As we record this today, uh, I'm leaving uh, tomorrow to head down uh, to Georgia, uh, down to Don the Fat Bee Man, and um, that's where I'm, I'm picking up my uh, small cell nukes from him, um, and we're going to bring those back. We're going to start off with um, around five or six um, nukes, and then our goal this year is, is to increase those numbers again. Um, it, it would not be, it's not, it, it's not going to be difficult to get to 20 or 30 hives going into the winter knowing what we know now yeah and all the experiments that we did with uh, making bees making brood making queens um, last year I feel I feel pretty good about that you think this goofy spring's gonna put you back some it is because looking at the 15 day forecast it's supposed to rain every single day for the next 15 days like thunderstorms so I'm I'm going down to pick the bees up on the only dry day in Georgia and then it's a nine and a half hour drive bring them back up here and I'll be back home, you know, late, late night. First thing, the following morning, the only dry day in the next 15 day forecast, it's only going to be dry for a few hours in the morning. I'll open them up, let them get uh, orient to the area, let them fly out, um, uh, do those kind of things. And then just hope for the best. Um, but, um, last year we ran primarily five frame medium nukes on everything and just stacked boxes up if we wanted to make more brood or make more honey. Um, we also had some eight frame, uh, medium boxes that we did a lot of experimenting with, uh, making splits and, and, uh, what we're doing for the first part of this year is we're going to bring those nukes back up from Georgia and, uh, get them established. Some of them are, are going to be designated or earmarked just for production, so those are going to get are going to go from five frames. Um, I can either stack those up, or I can I can experiment with with putting them into eight frames and then stacking them up from there. So some of them are going to be set aside just for Susan and the kids um, for honey, and then the rest of the hives we're going to um, look at ways to increase our numbers. And then our main main goal would be to like Jimbo you know mentioned, you know dead bees are not bees that you can learn from. So we're going to explore options um, for uh, plant-based treatments uh, to help keep the mites at bay. So this year we're going to be using, um, we're going to continue to use essential oils um, in our sugar. I think more to to help build brood, which does a great job of that. Um, we're also going to be doing as, um, legit as, checks, actually measuring how what kind of mite loads we have to make okay. those, As make you other say, decisions. essential oil. Are you just using a homebrew concoction, or is this something commercially purchased, or what? You, what there, you got? there are commercial products like like Honey Bee Healthy, and you know a lot of folks. And that's have, just essential oil opinions. mix, pretty much. It is. Yep. Yeah. So we're we're using a, a combination of a little bit of lemongrass oil, uh, a little bit of spearmint, um, a little bit of wintergreen, and occasionally a little bit of tea tree. 
which is which is what which is what Don, you know, the, the fat B man kind of speaks to. And I think that's something, you know, Jimbo's gonna also um, be learning what fits him in, in year one, what as far as feeding goes and how to treat, what to treat, if to treat. He's kind of uh, going to experiment or experiment and learn what works for for their system. So that's you know we run the, the real similar to what what Jimbo's doing. We're we're running uh, five and eight frame medium boxes. We're yeah. running uh, all solid bottom boards, no ventilation underneath. Um, but we're ha- we have the entrance dials on the front with screens on the back. Every single box, so every box gets ventilated. Um, no inner cover, and then a solid lid that's cut out for a mason jar, so we can feed the bees directly. Um, eventually, we, we maybe want to experiment with a different, some different types of feeders, maybe some open feeding. But for right now, what works really well for us is the jars on top because I can look out into the bee yard and I can see exactly what's going on, how yeah. much feed. You know, if I'm traveling, the kids love to, and they can go out and they can make the feed. They can they can add those in. Well, and, and, and I, I know that where we run uh, the. Well, what is it? The hive top feeders, right? I got one on the ten frame now, and then I also got one of those lids for the mason jars. And mason jars are by far a lot easier. It's tricky because we started off the first year using hive top feeders, and there's there's lots of different types of hive top feeders. Um, but one thing, there's just a some lot of them of, have is a ton you, of feeders in general. There is what, what didn't work for us with the hive tops feeders was a lot of bees that were drowning. Yeah, and so. There's ways to mitigate that, ways to do that better, way to use those for water and sugar. Um, but right now we're we're going to stick with what has worked so far, explore um, some some kind of new ideas, and kind of see what happens. Talk about the bees drowning in uh, hive top feeders. Uh, one thing to keep, I, I think to keep aware of is keeping the uh, the content, the ratio content of the sugar water to a thicker to, to the thickest possible that'll drip out. That way, you know, it's not like this, you know, thin, constant drip to them. Right. So it just, yeah. you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, if yeah. you were running like a, you know, uh, one-to-one, two-to-one, even three-to-one ratios of, of sugar, it's a it's a combination of equal parts by volume, and weight is pretty close to uh, components, you know, two, two parts sugar to one part water, or one part sugar, one part water. When you get to where it's thinner... Um, that might work great in a hive top feeder, and depending on your jar lid and your and your and your hole and your mason jar lid, uh, and also the most one of, probably the most important things like barometric pressure and temperature. Um, all that is going to cause that liquid to fluctuate, and cause and and, and can um, we lost a lot of bees and some splits because it was too cold early on last year. Yeah, and our those jar feeders were leaking. You know, cool water on the bees, and they it, it didn't. It, that's no good. You know, wet bees are dead bees. So, um, yeah. So we learned. We learned. You know about that. Um, the Do hard you way. track barometric pressure for when you feed? I, I try to. I try to make sure that we're around 45, 50, 45 to fifty degrees before I'll put the the jars out there. That was sarcasm, and this is yeah. Well, and it's also <laughs> sounds sarcastic that I know what I'm doing because I'm because I don't. Yes, I just know what didn't work last year. Yes. When I got down to like 40 degrees, it was really iffy on on those things dripping on bees. Yeah, and it was the, warmer, and it was fine. I waited till it was at least 45 degrees at night before I put my feeders. So off. 45 worked for you. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. was that was my magic number, and I think we had one night to where it dipped down to 43, but it was okay. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we've we've gotten uh, we've gotten to share, you know, kind of what our, our 
our goals are, what kind of bees we want. We, I think as we get into the year, we can kind of talk more about specifically how our yards are oriented, um, what kind of pollen we have in our area, what kind of you know trees and shrubs and berries and, and things that are available for the bees as kind of um, as that develops. So the next time we'll um, we'll, we'll that we'll, we'll we'll check back in, um, we'll have uh, a lot more feedback to kind of share. Um, as we do it. So again, I, I think it's great that we're getting together and, and doing these kind of things and sharing our experience honestly and humbly, um, be, not because we're experts, but just because we're beginners and we're sharing that beginning experience. It's kind of like when you get so much experience with anything, like do you remember, if you ask somebody, do you remember what it was like before you could ride a bike and you really wanted to ride a bike? Most people are going to say no. You remember you learned how to ride a bike. You, you Now you're hundreds of miles down the road on that bike. You don't you don't remember what it was like when you're learning how to use a kickstand or that you pedal the you pedal backwards and you have a break and you have you know there's some there, there's there's nuances that you forget along the way as you get down your path and I think it's important for more people that are beginning into anything to share that experience not because they're experts or they have answers but it it, it there's there's a there, there's a message and an experience that I think folks can resonate with by just us sharing oh, yeah. you know last know, question for you. I know I'm a nerd. What B books are you reading right now? Ooh, Jim. Yeah, got? I, I am actually reading Beekeeping for Dummies. It's a great beginner's beekeeping book, and not saying that sarcastically. Those the newer editions are. You'd be surprised how more holistic their the approach is when they even talk about plant based yeah. and um, essential oils and softer, not harsh, hard treatments. It's there's a lot of good information. I'll tell you there. what, those those dummy books aren't for dummies. There, there's a lot of good information in, in a lot they're of those. Thick. Yeah. yeah. So. Are there pictures? Yeah, there, there's pictures, there's especially perfect. for you, Dan. Perfect. I'm actually right now reading the uh, Langstroth book by L.L. Langstroth himself. God, you are a nerd. That's like reading the Permaculture Designer's Manual. That's just silly. It's pretty dry, but but there is a lot of good information. I run Langstroth Hives, so he explains why he does things, why he made them the way he did. Uh, there's definitely some points that parts that really are sluggish, and there's some that I kind of get through quick. But it's a super interesting book, and I think it was written uh, almost like eight or 1930s, 1940s. So it's definitely an old book, and I believe Langstroth was another Ohioan. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was. So, what are you reading, Greg? Should we let this get quiet here and you uncomfortable to realize if that was tr- truth or false? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to look where my phone is so I can Google yeah, it real you, quick. A, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, beekeepers that have came out of Ohio or the, or the Midwest area, and yeah, it seems like all of them get smart and get the heck out of here and go to where it's warmer and. I know AI Root was from Ohio. Ah, okay. Don the Fat B man. He was from Ohio. Or was it IA Root? AI. AI or AI? AI Root, I think. You sure? No. Okay. We're not experts. We're just beginners. We know nothing, Dan. Remember? I, oh, very, very true. He lives up in Medina, like your parts. My parts? Yes. And then I think he retired, or no, then he moved to Dayton and then died at the pulpit preaching. Dan is a nerd. Indeed, I think Dan's going to have to head up some uh, historical educational material here for the uh, for the podcast. Well, he also wrote the ABC and XYZ, a beekeeping book. It's pretty much an encyclopedia for everything beekeeping. 
I wonder what his conversation was at the dinner table. And I'm not going to lie. I might have sat at home and read the beekeeping encyclopedia. Yeah. And that might be one sitting in my bathroom. Okay. Let's see what's in my bathroom. I'm almost done with uh, Gunther Hawks to save a honeybee. That is a, I, I, yes, I read that. That's a That's great, really interesting, great especially book. when you get into the bee biology yes. and how he breaks down his observations with all the different uh, mm-hmm. the drones and queens and workers. It's really. Do you have a copy of that, James? Really neat. I, I currently don't. We will be fixing that soon. It's it's a neat read. It's a different yes, perspective. To, it is. Uh, to have. And then on, on to, uh, right now, I'm also finishing up uh, Dr. Connor's uh, Queen Wearing Essentials. Wait, are you reading multiple books at once? Yep. Ooh, I can't do I'm, that. I'm kind of weird. Like, I don't, I don't, it's hard for me to read a book all the way through. I'll, I'll read it and then my mind will trigger something else and I'll go grab another. I kind of use more maybe as reference manuals. See, I have to read them all the way through and I have to put them on the bookshelf and then I'll refer back to them. We but, should, you know, we could talk about that later because one of the things that I'm trying not to do is to subscribe to all kinds of different pieces of information. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to get a better understanding, learning why these things are occurring, and then just see you know what kind of resonates. So Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm reading the Dr. Connor books, uh, Queen Ring Essentials, um, and um, finishing up uh, the Contra Hawk book. So, uh, so, yeah, so check us out on Facebook, Contrary Beekeeper Show. Uh, if you help us out, like, subscribe, share uh, on social media, share with your friends. Let us know how we're doing. Any recommendations, feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, if you got a better way to do something, let us know. Yeah. If you've done it differently, I'd love to hear it. If you like what you heard today, make sure to rate us on iTunes as well. Right. Yeah. Hit that subscribe button. Well, guys, since you're all here, what do you say to go out in the bee yard and get after it? Sounds like fun. Sounds like a buzz. (laughs) I remember. I like that pun. (laughs) Be the change. Be the change. See you later, guys. Okay. (laughs) I get excited. You just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control, and And I I think think I I like like it. it. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control, and And I I think think I I like like it. it. Oh, yeah. You have a very wonderful falsetto voice. I'm so glad this is all being recorded, so one day this might be used against us. Okay. Terrific.